You're listening to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast, recorded in Cisco, Texas. For more information, please visit hallelujah.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. I wanted to talk today about something that I got to kind of reading through the other day. Just struck my interest. It's an Old Testament story that I found to be very applicable to me. Maybe you guys can relate as we start to walk through this story. It's a story I hadn't read in a long time, and so as I started to read it, I just found it interesting. As I started to to look at it, it was something that I feel like is very applicable, like I said, especially to myself. And so I wanted to start in Numbers chapter 22, and we're going to read the story of Balaam. I know a lot of you already know the story of Balaam very familiar with it, I'm sure. But maybe, like myself, you haven't read it in a while and you'll find it interesting. So I want to kind of set the scene. You know, the Israelites had come out of Egypt. And the Bible talks about they're all camped out here in the plains of of Moab. And there's this king, and this king is kind of looking out there and he's seeing all these Israelites encamped. You know, they had asked to, hey, can we come through peacefully? We'll pay you to come on through. He tells him, no, no, you can't, you can't come through my territory. Here's the people of Israel encamped in this plains and the king looking down. He's heard about this people of Israel. You know, back in this time, they don't have a lot of technology in terms of telephones and internet to get things communicated. But everything kind of travels by the speed of camel or caravan or something like that, right? So... News has gotten out, you know, this people have come out of Egypt. Yahweh has taken them out. They, as they've come out, they've also defeated all these different armies and kingdoms. And so we're going to kind of pick up the story from Numbers chapter 22. And I want to just kind of set the scene there. Then the Israelites traveled to the plains of Moab and camped along the Jordan across from Jericho. Now Balak, son of Zippor saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was terrified because there were so many people. Indeed, Moab was filled with dread because of the Israelites. So they're, they're scared. It says they are terrified. They're filled with dread. Now Moabites said to the elders of Midian, this horde is going to lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. So Balak, son of Zippor, who was king of Moab at that time, sent messengers to summon Balaam, son of Beor, who was at Pethor, near the river, in his native land. I'll stop there for just a second. So, they're very scared of these Israelites. They're on the hilltops. The Israelites are down in the plain. And it's very evident, looking down here, you know, there's this encampment of Israelites And there's this, uh, every day there's this pillar of cloud coming up over the tabernacle. And they're seeing this. And at night there's this big pillar of fire. And so it's real obvious that there's something spiritual going on here. This is not normal weather activity. This is very abnormal. And so he needs, this king of Moab needs somebody that he can hire that can that he can kind of fight fire with fire with, that he can have a spiritual war with. 
You know, it's, it's obvious that the children of Israel have Yahweh, have this powerful being on their side. And all he knows is that he's heard about this guy named Balaam. And he needs somebody that he can, he can fight spiritually with, with the people of Israel. And so Balak said, a people has come out of Egypt. They covered the face of the land and have settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on these people because they are too powerful for me. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the country. For I know that those you bless are blessed and those you curse are cursed. The elders of Moab and Midian left taking with them the fee for divination. When they came to Balaam, they told him what Balak had said. Spend the night here, Balaam said to them, and I will bring you back an answer Yahweh gives me. So the Moabite princes stayed with him. Yahweh came to Balaam and asked, Who are these men with you? And we think Yahweh knew who these men were. Balaam said to Yahweh, Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, sent me this message. A people that has, that has come out of Egypt covers the face of the land. Now come and put a curse on them for me. Perhaps then I will be able to fight them and drive them away. But Yahweh said to Balaam, Do not go with them. You must not put a curse on those people because they are blessed. So we see that, you know, these, Balak sends his group of people to go talk to Balaam. And what do they bring with him? They bring with him money, right? They bring with him this fee. You know, if you want to ensure that uh, somebody tells you what you what you want to hear, sometimes it's it's good to give them money. That helps ensure it. I'm, I'm not saying that's good. I'm just saying that helps to ensure it, right? And that's what he's doing. He's saying, "Hey, come over here. I've got this problem. I need you to curse these people." Yahweh says, "No, Balaam. You can't go with them." And you can't curse these people. And it's a pretty hard no. There's not a lot of wiggle room in this thing. It's a pretty, pretty hard no. So Balaam gets up the next morning here, verse 12. But Yahweh said to Balaam, do not go with them. You must not put a curse on those people because they are blessed. The next morning, Balaam got up and said to Balak's princes, go back to your own country. For Yahweh has refused to let me go with you. So the Moabite princes returned to Balak and said, Balaam refused to come with us. But there's something about maybe the way Balaam said, hey, I, I can't go with you. Because here in just a second, they come right back, right? So there's something about the way Balaam said it. You have a tendency to think maybe Balaam said, oh, Yahweh told me I can't go with you. I'm sorry. You know. I... You know, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. So then Balak sent their other princes, more numerous and more distinguished than the first. They came to Balaam and said, This is what Balak, son of Zippor, says. Do not let anything keep you from coming to me, because I will reward you handsomely and do whatever you say. Come and put a curse on these people for me. So, Listen to what he's saying. It's pretty, like there's two very distinct ideas here. Balak is saying, hey, come over here and curse these people. Because 
And look, I'm going to give you some money for this. You're going to be handsomely rewarded. Just come over here and curse these people for me. Yahweh has told him, do not go with them. And don't curse my people. Those are kind of diametrically opposed to each other, right? I don't even know if diametrically is a word, but I think I just made that one up. So Balak says, hey, come curse these people and I'll make you rich. Verse 18, but Balaam answered them, even if Balak gave me his palace filled with silver and gold, I could do nothing. I could, do, I could not do anything, great or small, to go beyond the command of Yahweh my El. Now stay here tonight, as the others did, and I will find out what else Yahweh will tell me. That night, Yahweh came to Balaam and said, Since these men have come to summon you, go with them. But do only what I tell you. So it seems like we have a contradiction, right? On the one hand, Yahweh's told him, Hey, don't go with Balak. Don't curse these people. And then a few minutes later, he's saying, All right, go with them. You know, I, I feel like that sometimes in my life, I think I relate to this in the, in the father or the parent frame of mind, where sometimes we tell our kids something, our children something. I know my dad used to tell me things, tell me not to do something. But because I was so hard-headed and stubborn, I would want to do what I wanted to do. I see that sometimes when I'm talking to my kids. Hey, I really don't want you to do this. Okay, don't do this. And they go ahead and they do it anyway. Just like their dad was stubborn, they are stubborn, you know. So they go ahead and you, you can tell that they want to do this, right? And so you, you just kind of back off. I think Yahweh, Yahweh does that to us. You know, Daniel, when we look at, at this, how all this is coming to pass, Something we, we can notice is that Balaam, unlike Daniel and unlike Joseph, you know, when they, when they went before the king, the king summoned them. Joseph comes out of, the, out of the prison, gets cleaned up, and he says, hey, tell me, tell me the meaning of this dream. What does he do? He gives all the glory to Yahweh. We don't really see this. Daniel does the same thing. But we don't really see this from, from Balaam. He's always talking about himself. You know, I can relate to that in terms of we all have this selfish part of us. It's hard to control sometimes. But we need to be able to give honor and glory to Yahweh in everything we do. But Balaam seems to have difficulty with that. And now we find him in verse 21. He's about to set out. Yahweh has said, all right, do what you got to do. Before I get there, let me read from Romans 1.21. For although they knew Yahweh, they neither glorified him as Yahweh nor gave him gave thanks to him. But their thanking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal El for images made to look like a mortal human, human being, and birds and animals and reptiles. Isaiah 53 says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. Hosea 4.17 says, Ephraim, is joined to idols. Leave him alone. And so, you know, I think Yahweh does that to us. At times, He lets us, He leaves us alone. If we're going to go our own way and do our own thing, there's a time when Yahweh will back away from us. Alright, verse 21. Balaam got up in the morning. He saddled his donkey and went with the Moabite officials. 
But Yahweh was very angry when he went. And the angel of Yahweh stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. So again, we see that Yahweh's not happy about this. When the donkey saw the angel of Yahweh standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat it to get it back on the road. Then the angel of Yahweh stood in a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of Yahweh, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. Then the angel of Yahweh moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of Yahweh, it lay down under Balaam. And he was angry, and he beat it with his staff. Then Yahweh opened the donkey's mouth and said to Balaam, What have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? So one thing you might notice as you're reading through there is that narrowing of the road. And we'll come back to that here in a minute. But Balaam answers the donkey, You have made a fool of me. If I only had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. The donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. You know, there's a couple of things we want to look at here. You know, I, I really and truly believe that Yahweh has a sense of humor. And so, you know, when you read this, you can put yourself in the position of the guys who have, the officials who have come to get Balaam. There's a one reason they're getting Balaam. He's got the biggest reputation. You know, he says, they told him, hey, when you bless people, they are blessed. When you curse people, they are cursed. And he's got this reputation for being, for having uh, communication with Yahweh. And I believe he did uh, have communication. This is, you know, and we'll go on to see some of that. But these officials obviously have been looking out over that same hill and seeing the same phenomenon going on. They know something's up and they are scared. They're terrified, right? Now they've got their spiritual weapon You know, they've done what the first group of people couldn't do. They got him on the donkey, and he's headed out with them. But as he heads out, this guy is so incapable, he can't even get his donkey to stay on the road. Now his donkey is wedging him up against the wall and crushing his foot. And then he gets to the point where he just stops altogether and just lays down. No matter how much Balaam beats on him, he just lays down. Now, if you're you're the official watching this, right? You have to be thinking. Because you were thinking like a few hours earlier when the trip started. I'm going to get a raise. I'm going to get that bonus this year. I'm going to get the C-suite. Now they're thinking, oh man, we are in trouble. They have to be thinking this. And I also don't know, the donkey is talking to him. I wonder if they hear the donkey. I think Balaam definitely heard the donkey and there was audible to him. I don't know how that works out, but I almost have a feeling like it's a one-sided conversation. And it's, you know, they're just looking at this, oh man. I don't know, that's how I imagine it. So, I wanted to talk to you about donkeys themselves. Every week, I pass by this one field, and this guy's got like three or four donkeys in his field. 
and I don't think about it every week. I don't even see them every week. But every once in a while you see them, you think, man, who would have a donkey? Like, especially like three or four of them. Like, I don't, I don't get it. There are some of y'all in this room who are horse people. I, I know. And y'all really love horses. So I don't really understand y'all. But I don't, I don't, I had a horse when I was like 16, 17. And it was kind of a green broke horse. And it was, one of us was going to break each other. She broke me because that was, I, I didn't, I'd rather have a four-wheeler. But a lot of people like horses and they love horses. And at least they look pretty. When they just stand in a field, you like them. Like, that's a pretty horse. You can understand that. Donkeys, you know, I don't, when we think about the attributes of a donkey, we think about their big ears, right? We've got these big ears. They kind of have this stubborn and obstinate kind of reputation, right? You can get a donkey, and, and they're just kind of stubborn and obstinate, or can be. But they're also, you know, Joshua rode in to Jerusalem on the donkey, right? They're also kind of that most humble means of transportation, too. And so we see this dichotomy between Balaam and his own donkey. You know, Balaam's sitting there talking to Yahweh. These guys have hired him because of that talent. Not everybody has that type of relationship where Yahweh uses them like that. You know, people that are extremely talented can sometimes abuse those talents. And sometimes we, you know, the second group of people that came to talk to Balaam, you know, they kind of buttered him up and, and gave, uh, did a lot of flattery. Oh, those you bless are blessed. Those you curse are cursed. Come. We're going to, we're going to, I mean, if anybody can do it, you can do it. You know, you're, you're the guy who can, who can save us because you're so talented at talking with Yahweh. You know, flattery works. It works on me because you can get a really big head and a really big ego when somebody starts talking to you and telling you how talented or how skilled you are. I was in the bathroom and I was looking up this thing right here and Noah said, oh, you're giving the sermon. Your sermons are the best. And I was like, yeah. That's awesome. Right? We're very susceptible to that. Or I am. And so the guy who talks to Yahweh, who speaks to Yahweh, who hears Yahweh, Balaam, is riding his donkey, embarrassed, extremely embarrassed. This donkey has just decided to just lay down. And, you know, you think about why it's laying down. It's because this angel of Yahweh is standing in front of it with a big sword. He's been trying to get away from this thing the whole time, and now there's nowhere to go. There's literally nowhere to go. There's no more going to the left or to the right. All right, let's read verse 31. Then Yahweh opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of Yahweh standing in the road with the sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. The angel of Yahweh asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you, because your path is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If it had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now. But I would have spared it. So right there, does Yahweh love animals? Does Yahweh care for animals? I think that's very honorable that Yahweh... We see a part of Yahweh's character in that He says He would have spared this animal. Because the animal's not guilty. 
Balaam said to the angel of Yahweh, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now notice this next line. There's an angel with a sword. He sees him now. Now, if you are displeased with me, I will go back. The angel of Yahweh said to Balaam, Go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. So Balaam went with Balak's officials. So one of the things we can, I don't know if I totally hit on, was just the fact that the donkey, you know, as he's going down the road, sees the angel of Yahweh. And this person, this uh, Balaam character, can't see him. That's what he was known for. He was known to be able to, to see and talk to Yahweh. That's why he was being brought. And I think the message there, right, is just the fact that, Balaam, you think you're so special. You think you're uh, hot stuff. But this donkey can see me better than you can see me. This donkey, this donkey understands what I'm doing more than you do. But he says, now if you are displeased, I will go back. You know, someone once told me, told me something that I thought was kind of interesting thought. Man, it sure would be nice if as you went through reality, went through your everyday life, there was kind of theme music playing in the background. I thought that would be kind of cool sometimes, you know. I don't know about all the time, but just theme music as you go through, you know. If you watch TV or movies, you'll notice that they use music to change the setting. You can almost tell by music, you know, what's fixing to happen because they go da 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 you know, because of that, I know, oops, that was a bad decision. Not, not a good decision there. Or, great, you did, oh, yeah, way to go, excellent decision. That was exact, yeah, good, good job. You know, I, I mentioned the narrowing of the path, and as we read through Balaam, he's going from this road, and the donkey's wandering off, and then he gets into the vineyard where there's walls on both sides, and the donkey's crushing his foot to get up against the side to get around. And then he goes to a place where there's no, it says there's no way to turn right or left. There's, it's so narrow. It's just frontwards or backwards. That's the only two ways we get to go. And so, you know, I think the narrowing represents sometimes those places we get to in our life. You know, I've been, I've been taking some flying lessons. And if you take flying lessons, you have an instructor. If you take flying lessons, you should have an instructor. One of the things an instructor will tell you is that one of the biggest uh, dangers in flying is weather. You know, you want to be mindful of the weather. So you don't want to go flying through clouds. So they say stay out of the clouds until you get the right training, until you go through all the stuff. Stay out of clouds. That's a big one. Okay? Because if you get into a cloud... You run the risk of what they call C-fit, controlled flight into terrain. And what that means is that you get into this cloud, you start steering a little bit to the right, and then your body is telling you, I feel like I need to turn it this way. I think I need to correct to the right. You turn, and then you feel like, ah, that's not enough. And your body's telling you because you, you cannot see anything in front of you. So your body is giving you these signals and telling you, and your equilibrium is telling you things. A lot of times what it's telling you is wrong. They tell you in, in flight training, always, always rely on your instruments. Never rely on what you feel and your body. Don't ever rely on any of that. You have to rely on your instruments. 
You know, as we go through life, the older I get, the more, the more I realize. Because I used to think it was the big decisions, like the big decisions are what really mattered. It's very rare to me that it's the big decisions. It's usually the very small decisions. It's those day-by-day -day decisions. You know, it's this decision, the little compromises, those complacent decisions, the contradictions that weaken us. It's those repeated excuses we make to justify our actions. We can get tired. It's very rare that you come to a place where there's literally an angel with a sword in his hand, right? Sometimes we wake up and we ask ourselves, how did I get here? We really don't know. But it was just a lot of little steps. It was just a lot of little things. It was a lot of our heart getting a little harder every day. Our path moving from Yahweh's will to our own will. And I think that's what Balaam is struggling with. And that's what his problem is. And, you know, that's what... I think it's so easy to fall into that trap that that's something that I'm scared of, personally, is just the, the, that slow, steady walk that you one day wake up and you're too far away from Yahweh's will. That when He pricks your heart, that you don't feel it. That it's so calloused. Let's pick up in verse 36. When Balak heard that Balaam was coming, he went out to meet him at the Moabite town on the Arnon border at the edge of his territory. Balak said to Balaam, Did I not send you an urgent summons? Why didn't you come to me? Am I really not able to reward you? Well, I've come to you now, Balaam replied. But I can't say whatever I please. I must speak only what Yahweh puts in my mouth. Then Balaam went with Balak to Kirath, Huzath. Balak sacrificed cattle and sheep and gave some to Balaam and the officials who were with him. The next morning, Balak took Balaam up to Bamoth Baal. There's a lot of bees in this. And from there, he could see the outskirts of the Israelite camp. Balaam said, build me seven altars here and prepare seven bulls and seven rams for me. Balak did as Balaam said. We see that number seven all the time, right? We see that even though Balaam is trying to, to kind of do what Yahweh's people do and getting seven altars and seven bulls and rams, but he's doing it for what? To curse Yahweh's people, right? Then Balaam said to Balak, Stay here beside your offering while I go aside. Perhaps Yahweh will come to meet with me. Whatever he reveals to me, I will tell you. Then he went off to a barren height. Yahweh met with him and Balaam said, I have prepared seven altars and on each altar I have offered a bull and a ram. Yahweh put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Go back to Balak and give him this word. So he went back to him and found him standing beside his offering with all the Moabite officials. Then Balaam spoke his message. Balak brought me from Aram, the king of Moab from the eastern mountains. Come, he said, curse Jacob for me. Come, denounce Israel. How can I curse those Yahweh has not cursed? How can I denounce those whom Yahweh has, sent, has not denounced? From the rocky peaks I see them. From the heights I view them. I see a people who live apart and do not consider themselves one of the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob or number even a fourth of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and may my final end be like theirs. Balak said to Balaam, What have you done to me? 
I brought you to curse my enemies, but you have done nothing but bless them. He answered, Must I not speak what Yahweh puts in my mouth? He mentions up here in verse 9, who live apart and do not consider themselves. You know, the people of Israel have always lived apart. It doesn't matter if they go to Europe or if they go to South America or, or uh, give me another continent, Asia. They retain their traditions. They retain their heritage. A lot of the other nations, you know, when they come into another area, get assimilated. The Jewish people have their own culture and remain set apart. Let me die the death of the righteous and may my final end be like theirs. We see Balaam is trying to, trying to come back to, I don't know about come back, but he knows he wants to end up counted in the righteous. We all want to end up counted in the righteous, but we have to do certain things to get there, don't we? He's not making a very good start here. He's with the, he's with the uh, wrong crowd, with the wrong mission. Then Balak said to him, come with me to another place where you can see them. You will not see them all, but only the outskirts of their camp. And from there, curse them for me. So he took him to the field of Zophium on the top of Pisgah. And there he built seven altars and offered a bull and a ram on each altar. So we see Balaam is, is again going to see what Yahweh says. Is he going to change his mind? Balaam said to Balak, stay here beside your offering while I meet with him over there. Yahweh met with Balaam and put a word in his mouth and said, Go back to Balak and give him this word. So he went to him and found him standing beside his offering with the Moabite officials. Balak asked him, What did Yahweh say? Then he spoke his message. Arise, Balak, and listen. Hear me, son of Zippor. Yahweh is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? I have received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot change it. So we see in that verse where Balaam's heart really lies, I think. He's saying, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot change it. So there seems to be a will to change that blessing into a curse, but he can't. No one can. No misfortune is seen in Jacob. No misery observed in Israel. Yahweh their El is with them. The shout of the king is among them. Yahweh brought them out of Egypt. They have the strength of a wild ox. There is no divination against Jacob. No evil omens against Israel. Notice that verse 21. We might come back to that later if I can remember to make this point. No misfortune is seen in Jacob. No misery observed in Israel. Yahweh, their El, is with them. The shout of the king is among them. It will now be said of Jacob and of Israel, see what Yahweh has done. The people rise like a lioness. They rouse themselves like a lion that does not rest till it devours its prey and drinks the blood of its victims. Then Balak said to Balaam, Neither curse them at all nor bless them at all. Balaam answered, Did I not tell you? I must do what Yahweh says. So he's gone from blessing them to now he's blessing them, but also letting them know that you're about to be defeated. And then we're going to move into Balaam's third message where he tells them, that he's going to bless them. Then Balak said to Balaam, Come, let me take you to another place. Perhaps it will please Yahweh to let you curse them for me from there. And Balak took Balaam to the top of Peor, overlooking the wasteland. Balaam said, Build me seven altars here, and prepare seven bulls and seven rams for me. Balak did as Balaam had said, and offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Now when Balaam saw that it pleased Yahweh to bless Israel, he did not resort to divination as at other times but turned his face toward the wilderness. 
When Balaam looked out and saw Israel in camp tribe by tribe, the Spirit of Yahweh came on him. And he spoke his message. The prophecy of Balaam, son of Beor. The prophecy of one whose eyes see clearly. The prophecy of one who hears the words of Yahweh. Who sees a vision from the Almighty. Who falls prostrate and whose eyes are opened. How beautiful are your tents, Jacob. Your dwelling place is Israel. Like valleys that spread out. Like gardens beside a river. Like aloes planted by Yahweh. Like cedars beside the waters. Water will flow from their buckets. Their seed will. I have abundant water. Water is a blessing. You know, if you ever look at the topography and agricultural area there in Israel, it looks a lot like Texas or Arizona. It's pretty dry, humid. It doesn't have a lot of water. And so when Yahweh is blessing His people, He's talking about something that's very rare. He's talking about water. and He's blessing them. He says, water will flow from their buckets like cedars planted beside the waters here. It will have abundant water. All right, let's continue. The king, their king, will be greater than Agag. Their kingdom will be exalted. Yahweh brought them out of Egypt. They have the strength of a wild ox. They devour hostile nations and break their bones in pieces. With their arrows, they pierce them. Like a lion, they crouch and lie down. Like a lioness, who dares to rouse them? May those who bless you be blessed, and those who curse you be cursed. Then Balak's anger burned against Balaam. He struck his hands together and said to him, I summoned you to curse my enemies, but you have blessed them these three times. Now leave it once and go home. I said I would reward you handsomely, but Yahweh has kept you from being rewarded. You know, Balaam, like I said, has gone from blessing the Israelites. He's blessed them. Or Yahweh has blessed the Israelites through them. And then he's gone to tell Balak, not only are you blessed, but you're going to be defeated. Now he's telling him, not only are you blessed, not only, Balak, are you going to be defeated, now you're cursed because anyone who curses Yahweh's people is cursed. You know, one of the things I think we have to remember in this story, it's extremely important, is that there is an enemy king named Balak, and he is after the children of Yahweh. He's basically gone out and hired the best hitman he possibly can. But through that, what happens? Yahweh blesses and protects his people. We have to pay attention to the fact that Yahweh is there for his people and he blesses them. When I look around the room today, I feel like that we are Yahweh's people and we have been blessed. Each and every week I come here, it gets harder and harder to find a seat. Today, it's not so much. Maybe that's because I'm speaking. I don't know. But each week, It is getting harder and harder to find a seat. Our congregation is growing. We've been extremely blessed. People here hang out with each other. I don't know, you know, I think y'all have to be exactly like me. I enjoy it. I enjoy y'all's company. There has to be something that's said. You know, nobody hangs out with people they don't like, right? Nobody hangs out with, like, somebody that bullies them or talks down to them. You just don't do it. Yahweh's people isn't like that. They're very loving and kind people. Just like Yahweh Himself. Yahweh is very merciful. He's very kind. The people of Israel, back in those days, like I said, hired a hitman to uh, curse Israel. But because Yahweh was on their side, they were protected. What happened? They were blessed. You know, I look at our assembly, I look at all the young people we have. We have a lot of teenagers here. And these teenagers drive, okay? And when when you're young and you 
get behind the wheel for the first time, a lot of times you're not the best driver. Uh, my daughter's had two wrecks in the past year. So, for example. But I did the same thing when I was a teenager. It's a learning curve, right? But man, we've been blessed. Yahweh has protected our assembly. When you look at all the young people, look at the little ones. We have more little ones from, you know, one day old to, to two months than probably any church in Eastland County. And probably for a couple of counties around us. Think about the protection I feel like we really have had in terms of all these young drivers are out there. And there's been a lot of wreck, some of them very serious. But I don't know of one of us in here that has had a life-altering accident where we were physically affected. You know, Yahweh protects His people. I just want to praise Yahweh for that protection. I think it's one of those blessings that we can easily, easily overlook. Our young people, like I said, from a day to two years, are it's such a hard time because they can't really communicate all that well. And so when they get sick, it's hard to, to deal with that, I guess. Josh's son got rushed a couple months ago, I guess, to the ER. And we all prayed for Yahweh's blessing. And he was blessed. And I believe he was protected. That's one of the things we have to always remember to give Yahweh praise and honor and glory for is the way he watches out for us. The way he steers our life. Who knows what accident or what could happen to us without Yahweh being in our life, without Yahweh watching over us. Balaam answered Balak, did I not tell the messengers you sent me? Even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in his palace, I could not do anything of my own accord, good or bad, to go beyond the command of Yahweh. And I must say only what Yahweh says. Now I'm going back to my people. But come, let me warn you of what this people will do to your people in the days to come. Now Balaam goes on to prophesy words of Yahweh and some warnings there. He's just kind of telling Balak, you're going to lose. And all these other kings around you are going to lose. These people are blessed. Balaam is this unique individual in that he's very duplicitous. He's very contradictory. One hand, he has a relationship with Yahweh. He has this awesome talent. And on the other hand, he abuses that talent and neglects that talent and lets his heart really become calloused and cold. You know, we sang a song this morning, Dead Hearts Arise. And Balaam seems to have all these opportunities along this road to change, to turn around, to stop what he's doing. And he just can't. He can't ever seem to stop or change. You know, the story of Balaam is actually mentioned several times. I think three times in the New Testament. In Second Peter, in Jude, and in Revelations 2.14. And here's where we have to kind of read maybe a little bit between the lines. You know, how do these New Testament writers refer to him? So 2 and 14. Nevertheless, I have few things against you. You have people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols and by committing sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. So you know, Balaam goes through his fifth and sixth and seventh message here. Remember that number seven. And then he goes home. And I think somewhere on that journey home, Balaam got to thinking about, man, this is going to be bad for business. This is going to be bad for my reputation. I am going home. I do not have a happy client back there. And so he made up his mind he was going to go back. You know, if you look at Numbers 31, where do we find Balaam? He didn't live here. Remember, he lived over by the Euphrates, uh, which was way far east. Scholars seem to think exactly for sure 
But if you look at where he ends up and look at Numbers 31, they fought against Midian as Yahweh commanded Moses. Let's pick up in verse 7 here. And killed every man among their victims were Evi, Rechem, Zer, Hur, and Reba. The five kings of Midian. So the Israelites had gone in. They were taking over Moab. Five kings of Midian. They also killed Balaam, son of Beor, with the sword. Why is Balaam there? He went home. He's back because he got to thinking, I want to do, I want to do it my way. I want to do what I want to do. And what I want to do is get paid. We, every one of us, have our own way. There's Yahweh's way, and then there's our way. And a lot of times for me, I'll choose my way. Just like Balaam, and just like that donkey, I'm stubborn and want to do it my way. We have to try to make sure that we, we don't do our selfish ways, but we actually do what Yahweh would have us to do. What Yahweh would have us to do is in our best benefit. But man, we can't seem to get out of our own way sometimes. And so I, I'll close with that. And uh, I appreciate uh, the blessing of being able to be here each and every week with such wonderful and fine people as yourselves. Yahweh bless you and keep you.